Good morning, everyone. As Adele said, I'm Megan. Welcome to those of you that I don't know. I'm reading from John chapter 1 this morning, verses 1 to 18. So please follow along in your Bibles, on your devices, or it should be up there behind me. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognise him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and he is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. And I've got a little bit of a confession to make. I really don't like horror movies. Okay, they, they just terrify me. I don't enjoy them. I don't know why other people enjoy them. Um, but once, when I was feeling very brave, I, I, you know, I opened my fingers just a little smidge, uh, and I watched a show called Stranger Things. Um, there's a boy, and he's kidnapped by this thing, right, by this monster. And, and I think the worst part is, you don't know who the monster is. You don't know what it looks like, where it comes from. You definitely don't know when it's going to just jump out and get you, you know, reach through the walls. And, and isn't that so much more terrifying when you don't know? Uh, you learn about this monster in, in little snippets, a uh, flash of claws and jaws and tentacles and, and spooky forests. And the tension throughout the show, it just builds and builds, episode after episode. And finally, near the end of the show, uh, you see this monster revealed in full. You see the whole thing. And it's still terrifying. But you're a little relieved because it's no longer unknown. Uh, the real thing is, is not really as scary as the picture in your mind. Why do you think movies and TV shows do this? Uh, I think to scare us, of course. Well, they, they certainly scared me. You know, fear of the unknown. But also... 
So let's kickstart our imaginations, open our minds a little bit, get us thinking. And John 1 is, is a little bit like Stranger Things. Now, it's not scary, uh, it's not fake, but it does build, and it does have mystery. John doesn't, doesn't show his cards too soon. Okay, he invites us into the story, and he invites us, into imag- invites us to imagine. He talks about the Word and the light and lots of he's and him's, and it's not until verse 17 that he finally tells us the name of the one he's been talking about. He says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And maybe that wasn't a surprise to you. But when we imagine... Now, we don't have to speculate. We don't have to make things up. No, because John is is telling us clear and deep truths. And, And he points us back to other parts of the Bible, which are also telling us God's truth. But in our imagining, he gives us a richer picture of who God is and how he reveals himself in Jesus. And our carol tells us over and over again how we ought to respond as we see Jesus and behold him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. There's a few key ideas in our carol and our passage that I want to explore. Jesus is the Word, Jesus is the light, and Jesus dwells among us. And my prayer today is that as we stretch our minds and and seek to know God more, that the Holy Spirit would stretch our hearts so that more and more and more we would love and worship and adore Him. So first up is the Word. Who is this word? It's definitely a person, but it's not really a name. It's more like a title. The general, the undertaker. It tells us something. We we don't yet know what this word might look like, but we we know things about words. We use words all the time. And and they express things like, I love you, or I'm on a stage. Um, They make things happen too. Uh, everyone, everyone, look up, look over there, look in the window. I think I've got about one of you. But, um, but my words did that, right? My, my words accomplish things. Not perfectly, but they can accomplish things. They accomplish what we, they express and accomplish what we desire. And, and we adore Jesus the Word because He perfectly accomplishes and expresses the will of God the Father. But for now, let's, let's join John in the mystery and imagine. I want you to imagine, you ready? Nothing. It's pretty hard, isn't it? We live in a world full of stuff. Imagine it away. Go on. And close your eyes if you like. No people, no animals, no houses, no water or dirt or anything. No time or space. Imagine before creation in the beginning. If you've got a Bible, please open up to John 1 and you can follow along. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. There's no mystery about this part. The Word is God. And so the beautiful mystery then 
Oh, sorry. Yep, the word is God. Eternal, existing in the beginning, not created, but before creation. The word is God. And so the beautiful mystery then is that the word is at the same time in perfect union with God. How else can you be with something and at the same time be something? It, it, it baffles us. And for centuries, Christians have tried to come up with analogies for the Trinity. The leaves of the same clover, water, steam and ice, a man who's a, a father and a son and a husband, and, and none of them quite fit, none of them quite capture this perfect union. It's impossible to fully comprehend. But it can help to see the perfect union of God and the Word in action. It helps to see it expressed. And so, let's keep reading verse 3. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. God creates through the Word. John is pretty clearly pointing us back to Genesis 1, where God speaks the world into existence through His words. He says, let there be light, and there was light. What great power. Everything is made through the Word. And Genesis 1 verse 2 says that the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit is part of this perfect union as well. One God, three persons. And this perfect union is expressed in God the Father sending out His Word to create. And Jesus is sent out by God the Father. And that's what it means in in verse 14, it says, Jesus is the only Son from the Father. And in our carol, in the second verse, it says that Jesus is begotten, not created. Jesus is from the Father, not created by the Father, but sent from the Father. He's begotten, to accomplish God's will and express God's will in creating the universe. Throughout the Old Testament, God, through His Word, does a lot more than just create. He reveals and He saves. In Exodus 34, He calls to Moses and He reveals who He is. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. And he saves by his word as well. Over and over we see the Israelites, they cry out to God in distress. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Through his word, God expresses and accomplishes his will. He creates and reveals and saves by his word. And Jesus, the word who became flesh, He is the ultimate expression of God's will, who accomplishes God's will. He comes from the Father, full of grace and truth, to reveal God and save the world that He created. Now, when I worked as a primary teacher, I very quickly discovered that my words were not as powerful as I hoped. A a kid was running through the playground, and and there's a ledge coming up, and I I call that, look out, be careful. But they kept running and they tripped over. My warnings, my warnings couldn't save. In the classroom, after a science experiment, I said, oh, okay, everyone, let's all clean up the room. Let's all clean it up together. 
And um, my commands, they, they could not create, right? They couldn't create a clean room or a willing class. And uh, Mr. Neil did most of the cleaning that day. Um, when, I, when I tried to teach kindergarten about gravity, I, I couldn't make them comprehend. My words, they didn't properly reveal the truth. My words were not effective. But God's words are not like mine. They are not like yours. Isaiah 55, verse 11. God says, My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When God speaks, His will is done. The universe is created. His glory is revealed. His people are saved. And he chooses to do this through the humble servant king born in Bethlehem. Verse 3 of our carol. Jesus, to thee be glory given, because he is the word of the Father. O come, let us adore him. Second mystery title that I want to explore is the light. Remember, John still hasn't given us a name. He hasn't revealed the identity, but he's teaching us what the light does and what the light is like. He wants us to adore the light, the light who gives life, who reveals God, and the light who is God. So let's read from verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light is the source of life. We just read all about creation being made through the Word. And He is the source of physical life. And so is the light. It's the same person. Without light, life cannot exist. Plants can't grow. So there's no food. We don't get heat. Life cannot exist. Without Jesus the Creator, there is no life. Uh, but, But more than that, He is the source of eternal life, of spiritual life as well because He frees us from sin. He reconciles us to God. Jesus, the light, gives life, both physical and spiritual. And He can give spiritual life because He has power over darkness. Verse 5, That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now, I've got a little torch on my watch here. Careful, just don't look directly at it. You ready? There you go. Careful, careful. I'll, I'll, I'll put it away now. Gotcha. Uh, it's really useful in a small room, right? When I, want, when I don't want to wake sleeping kids and I just want to, you know, find, find my water bottle or something like that. But if I was walking through the bush at night, okay, this would be useless. I, I would be overcome by the darkness because my light is not sufficient. The true light is not like my watch. doesn't run out of battery either. Uh, in Genesis, the darkness is chaos, and the light of God brings order and life. And in the same way, our broken hearts and our broken world, they're in chaos. But the true light shines into the darkness and exposes it, and it brings it into the light. And this, this light, the true light, it doesn't just sort of shine from far off. It doesn't keep its distance like a warning beacon or a lighthouse. 
Verse 9 tells us, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It enters into our darkness and our mess. So we don't just benefit from the light. We see the light. The light reveals the sin of the world and the light reveals itself. The light reveals God because this light is God. It's the God who will rescue his people from darkness. Isaiah 60 is a beautiful passage about the light coming to Israel, about salvation. The people are in exile, they're in darkness, they're in a bad spot. But verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The light who will rescue God's people has been promised. It's, it's coming into the world. Have you ever gotten up early to watch the sunrise? Anyone? Maybe once, maybe once. Go you. It's, it's tough. <laughs> but what's the first thing you see? You don't... It's, it's not the sun, is it? It's actually the sky. It's, it's the world around you being revealed. And so when you see the sky and the earth being lit up, even though you can't see the sun, you know there's a sun sending out that light. You know the sun itself is coming, and it will soon appear. The dark, sleepy world comes to life, and so you, you know to watch the horizon. See the little golden arc pop up and grow, and the sun appears. And so it is with Jesus. We see creation. We know that something has created that world. But when Jesus comes into the world, we see the Creator Himself, the source of light and life. In the same way, we, we read the Old Testament and we see the promise of a Saviour. We know that the Saviour is coming. And now in Jesus, we see the Saviour Himself, the light who reveals God, who is God, and who gives life with God. O come, let us adore Him. There's another reason that the light comes into the world. Why the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. What's the, what's the first line of our carol? What's the title? O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. But as we've just seen, we have all turned away from God. We are not faithful. We are unfaithful. We were in darkness. We're stuck. And so we cannot come to God. We cannot stand in His presence on our own. We sure do try, though. We try to love our neighbours. We try not to swear. We try to give to people in need at Christmas. And sometimes we do a pretty decent job. Uh, but the, the problem is not ultimately in our actions. The problem is in our hearts. It's our pride and our selfishness. And our sin. And so on our own, we cannot triumph over sin. We cannot overcome it. We are slaves to sin. We're trapped. And so, Jesus comes to us. And he comes to save. Once uh, I was at the beach with some friends and we went swimming. It was a beautiful day. And I'm just bobbing over the waves up and down. It's so calm. Up and down, up and down. Just perfect. And then and my, my friends next to me, they start waving back to shore. I thought, oh, I wonder, wonder who they're waving at. 
And I looked ashore and I thought, oh, those, those people are pretty far away. They look, they look like ants. And I think, hang on, I'm a, I'm a long way out. I'm stuck in a rip. My friends aren't, aren't, aren't waving to say hi. They're waving for help. And I, I try swimming back to shore, but it's not working. I can't overcome this rip. It's more powerful than me. It overpowers me. And so I couldn't get to safety on my own. Uh, but thankfully, uh, a handsome lifeguard on a jet ski, he came zooming out from the beach to rescue us. We grabbed on to the little thing at the back, and he pulled us back to shore, back to safety, back to sand. In the same way, we are stuck in our rebellion. We are unable to come to God. And so God himself comes to us. God, who is faithful to his people and his promises. God, who is triumphant over sin. The Son, who is sent out from the Father, full of grace and truth. We cannot come to him, but he comes to dwell with us. Read with me from verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Jesus comes to us so we can be children of God, reconciled to him. But we must receive Jesus. We must believe in his name. We must believe that Jesus is our Lord. Christ the Lord has come to you and died for you. Do you believe him? Will you receive him? And will you adore him? He has come to us not in glory and splendor, but as a baby. Jesus comes in humility, a humble servant king who came to seek and save the lost. The eternal creator has become a part of his creation. He enters into our weakness and our mess so that we might share in the perfect love of God. A guy called Michael Reeves puts it like this. He says, This is why the Son goes out from the Father in both creation and salvation, that the love of the Father for the Son might be shared. Think back again to before creation, to God and the Word, the Father and Son in perfect union. We were made for that perfect union as well. And we can share in that perfect union because of God the Father at work through Jesus, the Word and the Light who's come to dwell with us. O come, let us adore him. Having spent a bit of time in John, I think we can approach our carol with fresh eyes. At first glance, it's, it's a bit like an origin story, isn't it? And in our world, they love, our world loves origin stories. We love to see where greatness comes from. So here's, here's two of my favourite cricketers, Warner and Kawaja. They're opening the batting for Australia and there they are as little kids, heading out to bat together. I wonder how good they were back then. Who knew? Who could have known? We love greatness coming from humble origins. Long time ago, there was another young boy, and he loved cricket. And for hours and hours, he would bounce a golf ball 
against that round water tank. And it would bounce off, and he'd try to hit it with a cricket stump. Bounce, hit, bounce, hit. Well, throw, bounce, hit. Throw, bounce, hit. And he grew up, he probably he did that for hours and hours. And he became the greatest cricketer in history. It was Don Bradman. We love origin stories. Seems like every superhero now has an origin story. Captain America was, was sick and weak. Batman was an orphan. And the first Christmas, it looks a bit like an origin story as well. Come ye, come ye to Bethlehem. Come to a dirty stable in a backwater town because a king has been born. Greatness from the humblest of origins. But we don't come and adore Jesus just because he was a cute baby or even because he was a king. Now we've seen he is so much more. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord, God of God, light of light, word of the Father now in flesh appearing. As we sing our carol, we hear the true origin story of the baby born in Bethlehem. He has no origin. He is the origin. He's the origin of all creation who has entered into his creation to rescue his creation so that we can share in the love between God the Father and God the Son. And that is why every citizen in heaven above sings glory to God in the highest. This song invites us to come. Not to come to God in our own righteousness. We can't. But we are called to believe in His righteousness and turn to Him. We are called to believe that He is Lord so that we can be called children of God and share in Jesus' perfect union with God the Father. And we are called also to behold Jesus, the Word, the Light, God who comes to us. O come, let us adore Him.